Welcome to the Radical Female Podcast, hosted by Jamie Christ. Whether you're a female founder prepared to take on your industry standard or a female executive sick and tired prioritizing everybody else's priorities, here we talk through those transformations and how to make them happen by hearing real women's stories who've been through it. Let's dig in. Hello, friends. This is Jamie Christ, your podcast host of the Radical Female, and we are kicking off really the first full episode as a solo. And I just felt like this topic, obviously it's important to my story and the transformation I've been through personally, but it's also the theme of the month of pregnancy loss and infant loss. And October is the month for it. And it just, I feel like I just needed to get this conversation out first and the timing of it was so important. And also just hearing a lot of folks are in it right now. And so I figured, why not? Let me just kick this off because it's just, it, it truly is part, a huge part, I would say, in my story. And I just figured, like, let's just kick it off. Solo episode, let's do the damn thing. And I will say is if you're in, just as a heads up, if you're in the subject of this and you're going through pregnancy loss or infertility, whatever it may be, I'm going to put things in the show notes. So if you want to listen a little bit, if you just want to skip this episode, you know, just so you know what's coming and I'm pretty raw and real about the experience that we've been through as our family has grown and tried to through many years. Um, I know at times when I listened to other people's episodes, when I was in the thick of it, for me, was healing to hear other people's journeys. Um, and just also to, you know, just hearing that I wasn't alone. And so I, my goal for this episode is really to, one, celebrate the anniversary of losing our first child because that really hit. And this time of the month always just, I still feel it. I still feel I'm tearing up right now just thinking about it because it still hits so hard even though we have our daughter now, yes, I'm starting to tear up now. It's, it's, it's crazy when you look back on the journey and you just see what you go through, what others go through. And it's a process, it's a journey. But what I will say is that I look back and I'm like, wow, things really do happen for a reason. And when you're in the moment and when people say that to you, you basically want to be like, fuck you. (laughs) Like, are you kidding me? But looking back at the journey that we went through for the past four years, it I don't regret it. However, I don't wish this on anybody that has to go through it by any means. So I'm going to kind of start from the get-go where we are and how we started this whole family journey and, and kind of go through how we are today. And I'll be sure to share any of the resources, things that helped me along the way, I'm going to drop them in the show notes as well. So you can use them for for your sake or share them with a friend. Uh, If you know somebody is going through this process and is in a thick of it, by all means, please share this episode with them because, you know, at times when you're in it, friends don't know what to say or do, but at times giving resources of people who are going through it so they don't feel long is helpful. So please share. And uh, I'm glad you're here. So where do I begin? We got pregnant. It was July of 2019. 
And it just happened. Like we weren't like tracking anything. We were just, I think I was off birth control for a couple of years because we got married in 2016. So we were just kind of like, all right, if it happens, it happens. And uh, to be honest, because of my upbringing, and, and we'll get into this in another episode, my mom and I didn't have the best relationship. Um, honestly, my mom was an alcoholic and I loved her a piece as she loved me, but towards the end of the many years and the, her years, it was hard. It was really hard to have a relationship with her. And honestly, I was raised by my aunt since the age of five. And so my mom was always in my life. However, towards the end, it was really hard. And I questioned at times of the fact that, do I even want to be a mother? Because I had such a hard relationship with her that it made me question, like, I, I never want to put a kid through this. And also, too, that I really didn't know. It was hard to have a nurturing type of way about myself. I cared for people. I loved my friends' kids. Don't get me wrong. But I think I was just so scared. And I my career was always my first focus that my husband and I even had the conversation, like, do we even have kids? Because we're both very motivated in that way. So let me give you that background. So we just weren't trying. We're just like, if it happens, it happens. Great. So it did. And we were very excited. I think at first we were a little like, holy shit, that just happened. So we started going, you know, through the scans and everything. It was normal, totally oblivious. And I think at the eight week appointment was in August. I actually went on a work trip for God, 10 days in Colorado. It was one of the hardest things because like, when you're first trimester, you're just so nauseous and exhausted already. So and then when I was working an event, traveling across the state of Colorado, I was so miserable. And then we got in towards the end of September where we hit our 12 weeks. And we went through all the genetic testing. Everything came back clear. Found out it was a girl. We're getting very excited about it. I even waited. It was so weird. It's like your intuition kind of like knows, but we didn't post right away at the 12 weeks, right? And the 12 week mark is so interesting to me now, like looking back and we could dig into this a little bit more, but who the hell, I mean, listen, the 12 week mark comes about because it's all the genetic testing you get back and make sure everything's in the clear. However, what we went through was not the case. So we went through the 12 week testing scan and at that scan, actually, they found, they said that they found a mass on the baby's abdomen. I don't know how, it's so tiny, no clue how that could even happen, but it did. And at that same appointment that week, or a different appointment that week, they found a mass on my breast. So here I am, like, freaking out personally, like, did I cause an issue for a baby? Because now I have a mass on my breast. Like, I don't even know how that could be interconnected. I doubt it could ever be. But then I'm like, oh my God. And your head starts spinning. And I'm like, oh, I might have breast cancer. There might be something seriously wrong with me. And I am pregnant with this baby who might have something wrong because maybe what I did to, to help it, I, I don't know. So with that said, we went through that portion. I got all the tests done for myself. It was benign. Everything came back clear. And they basically said it was from the hormones that I had this lump in my breast. We we ended up announcing about our pregnancy on social media. And like we actually told our friends and family pretty early. I think it was around the eight-week mark. I've totally forgot about this. We told them pretty early because we always said, if something happens, we want our friends and family to know and to support us. 
and like I'm just speaking out loud now. Like I'm like, wow, how did we? How did we even know that? I don't. It's it's wild. So we announced our 14 weeks. Week 15 comes over. We go back in for another scan because they just want to check on the baby to see what is going on with this mass and the baby's abdomen. We go in. The baby's barely moving, and the technician is very quiet with us. My actually, and my husband came with me. He didn't come at the 12 week appointment. And I think because we were just such busybodies, we were just like, it's fine. Everything's fine. Like, we'll just go through the scan. And I think because I, what happened last time I felt so by myself in that last appointment when they kind of told me some, you know, not so great news, but it wasn't horrible. And then what happened with me with my breast and, and I was like, just come. So he came, technician walks out and the doctor walks in and I still have no idea what the hell's going on. When you're going through this first time, you're so oblivious. You have no idea how these things are supposed to go. And you're like, okay, this is just normal. This is what happens. And the doctor is literally like taking the scan, just shaking it, just trying to move the baby. And he's quiet. He wraps everything up, wipes the gel off my stomach and is like, okay, um, we're just going to have you coming in this room. We're just going to catch up about the scan. And I look at my husband and I'm like, this is not good. Something's off. Like, this is not how... People have told me this was supposed to be or whatever it may be. So we walked in the room and we had this doctor from Mercy. We were at Mercy Hospital at the time. And we also had a genetic counselor come in, this woman who I didn't even know who she was at the time. They sit us at the table and he basically tells us that our baby has this thing called orthogyposis and that it could be genetically passed on or, you know, they're not sure how the baby couldn't have gotten it because, you know, they didn't run the specific test for it, but just hearing our history about our family, they were asking us these questions and basically explaining to us that our baby's hands were curled in basically that you couldn't see fingers. So like the hands were very clutched, like clenched in and the legs didn't fully come out. Like it was like the baby was sitting, it's on its legs and it was barely moving and basically tells us that, you know, the baby is going to need either a lot of surgeries or this, this baby's not going to make it. And that was pretty much it. And I've never have felt a feeling like that before of just somebody telling you this and you're just sitting there like, wait, what? Like what, what is happening right now? And basically at a mercy hospital is a Catholic hospital. We're trying to figure out options and God bless this woman, Amanda. I'm going to give a shout out to Amanda Hicks because she was in the room at that table and she, you know, the doctor leaves and she's like, listen, I know you're processing a lot, but if you want a second opinion, I work at University of Maryland, you could come and get a second opinion. It's a high risk hospital, great team, just in case you want a second opinion. And of course we were like, yes, we wanted a second opinion. Like we have no idea how this could happen. Both of our blood work came back fine and, you know, so forth. So, you know, we're talking through options and we schedule an appointment for the next day. And, and then basically, if you've ever been through this or, you know, you're in it, I'm sure you've been through it. Like they take you, you don't go through, when you leave this type of appointment, you do not go through the main lobby. They take you through the back door. <laughs> and we were just like, wow, this is, this is really happening. And I remember walking outside and there's a giant digital billboard where it says whatever the XYZ medical awareness month it is. And that month was 
pregnancy loss, infant loss awareness month. And I just remember looking up and I'm sobbing and I, I like, I don't have the words that I'm looking at. I'm like, is this a sick fucking joke right now? Like who is messing with me right now? Like this is not okay. So next day we go to university of Maryland. We go for a second scan. Technician is very quiet. She was so sweet and kind and but she couldn't say anything. She goes and gets the doctor and the doctor comes in, basically tells us this is, this is not a viable pregnancy. This is, does not look good. It's like a form of orthoguidosis. However, what they were seeing in the central nervous system was not reacting in the proper way it was supposed to. And that they highly recommend that we terminate this pregnancy at this point, you know, I'm 15 weeks and Brad and I always said, like, if things were really bad, then we agreed that we wouldn't, fall through pregnancy. We just, I've, I've experienced relatives who've gone through that medically, financially, stress level wise. And, you know, and at this point it was going to affect me at some point. And we were getting close to the line where you basically get to 20 weeks and you have to propose it to a board. And I really didn't want to deliver like a normal delivery. So we decided to go through the DNC and DNC basically is when they remove the fetus from the womb. You kind of go under an anesthesia. It's not super under. I know some people go fully under, but mine wasn't. So we leave, and I just remember coming home and had to text my new boss, who was a male at the time, and he was so understanding. He was like, do whatever you have to do for your family. But even just like we just announced to the world that we were pregnant, we were still excited, even though we had some like funky things happen. And then this to happen, it's just like, and I remember I was just trying to keep myself busy after we found out this news. So I started, I, I still worked a little bit just to keep my mind off of it. But even people would be on calls. They're like, oh my God, how are you feeling? How are you doing? And I just had to keep it all in at that time because I was so embarrassed more than anything that I don't even know how to explain this to people. I don't know anybody who's been through this. Like, I just felt really alone and it was just a hard time to even talk to people about it. So that was October 15th going into 16th that we went through those two days of seeing what we needed to do. We scheduled surgery and it was going to be on October 22nd, which was my birthday. So I had to go in for a pre-op where they basically had to you go through blood work and making sure everything's okay. And then they kind of prep your body to, to expand so that you can get the fetus out. And so the full surgery I had was on October 23rd and we, you know, finished the surgery. My aunt comes up, my husband, Brad's there. And I remember after the procedure and everything, they come in and, and the woman was so sweet and was just like, you made the right decision. Things did not look good. And they basically, the one other nurse, and then believe me, like great care, amazing people. But the fact that they were like, okay, well, if you want to go back to work tomorrow or this week, you're more welcome to. I'm like, wait, I just, I just lost my baby. Like I just went through this traumatic experience. Like what, what do you mean? And of course I did not go to work. I took the rest of the week off and I just thought going home, like, that's it. That's all, that's all the care I get after this. Like I, I had, I actually was starting to show a little bit and I'm, I'm just looking down to, to think like, wow, this is, I have this physical change in my body. I don't know what to do with it. 
I know my body is raging with hormones right now. And they just tell me I can go back to work. Like this doesn't add up. So the week, the following week, I go back to work. I just really take some time to decompress, to breathe a little bit and just process what happened. We had to share with our friends and family really what was going on. And we were beyond supported. Like I, I, I still, it's unbelievable where your people show up for you and it just meant the world to us. So after that, we, I went back to work and it just kind of how people just fall into your lap. I had a woman, Angie, who came from Charm City Healing that reached out to me because her previous experience with miscarriaging, but she was also an acupuncturist. And she really just helped me understand what I needed to do for my body to help heal and recover because honestly, yes, I'm physically outside, like you just, you feel yourself, but internally, well, you don't feel like yourself. That's bullshit. You don't feel like yourself. However, you just want to get back to feeling like yourself. So from a physical standpoint, I wanted to just get back to working out. However, she explained to me, it was like between the hormones and what you're, you just had this traumatic loss in your body, your body's adapting and changing and you just have to take care of it. You can't overdo it. You just got to rest and recover. So she was a huge help. And anybody that is in this journey or even pregnant or whatever it may be, like find an acupuncturist because they help so much, but find the right person. Then I actually thought I really need to get therapy. And another friend of mine reached out and was like, I highly recommend this woman, Maryam. She's amazing. You're going to love her. I think it'd be great. And which when I talked about things happen for a reason, it's funny because I I still I'm like how I never went to therapy ever after all the shit I went through as a kid and even through my aunt and uncle's divorce when I was 15 and it just like really traumatic stuff as a kid I never went to therapy and it wasn't I wasn't a believer of it I just never made the time like I just worked and I remember that appointment it was October 31st, I walked into the office. Marianne still makes fun of me that she was like, you were ready to run. You had your sneakers on. You came from work. You were just so blocked of explaining and feeling anything that you couldn't wait to get out of there. And I'm like, that seems about right. So to see like what the work she did for me then just unlocked so much because there was so much when I did lose my mother you know, just less than two years before all this, that I really never processed her loss. So there was a lot to unravel. She had her work cut out for her, just to say the least. So we went through all that processing. And, you know, of course, like when you're in it, you're just like, okay, when can I try again? When can I get pregnant again? And you kind of feel crazy. At, I felt crazy at times where it was just like anything and everything I could think about. And, you know, what they recommend is that you don't so your body can recover and heal and, you know, just, just heal in general. That's what you have to do. But also what I realized too, is like the mental side of it, you need to process what happened. You need to feel what happened. And, and so we waited for a bit. And I think back then we, we started trying again in March of 2020. And if you remember March of 2020 was a shit show where the pandemic hit stress was like all high levels for everybody. So through March, through that pretty much that summer, we we kept trying and it wasn't happening. So here I am, like, what is wrong with me? Like, what is wrong with my body? I've always been healthy, I've ate healthy, and then I got pregnant around end of July again. So this was July, July 2020. So 
within the first six weeks, you get a scan. They didn't really see anything. It's still early, so they didn't see a heartbeat. But then, then they realized as I came back the following week that things weren't growing the way it was supposed to. And then I ended up miscarrying at home at less than eight weeks. So that took us into September just about. And then that, so that was our second loss. We got pregnant again. I found out beginning of January 21. And at that point, things were looking fine. We kept going to these scans. And after you go through what we went through the first time and you go through these scans, you it's like somebody robs this like joy of these appointments because you you know too much. You hold your breath. I remember like even today, like Brad and I, like when we go for scans, we're just like holding our breath. We don't say anything to each other on the way to the doctor's appointment until afterwards. Like we just, it's just a very stressful moment. So as we were going through this third pregnancy, things were looking good. We get into the 12 week range, you know, and and we we know what's expected, what needs to happen. We're talking to the same genetic counselor who found us on the first pregnancy. She kind of stuck by her side, told her she couldn't get rid of us. And, you know, she's like, it should be fine. Like what you guys have been through, like from a numbers perspective, it should be all right. So then we're waiting on the blood work. As we're waiting on the blood work for genetic counseling, I'm actually in an appointment. And during that time, because COVID was so bad, you couldn't have a guest in there. And so Brad wasn't with me. And the woman got quiet again. She was very talkative, very, very talkative beforehand. And this appointment, I could tell something was up because she got really quiet. I told her I had another appointment for like a dentist appointment. She was like, yeah, you're going to need to cancel that. And here we go again. Doctor walks in, explains that something's wrong with the heart. Something doesn't look right and they don't know what it is. And then at the same time, I had to retest for the genetic counseling or with genetic results because they didn't come back clear. And as we went through this, finding out what was wrong, it came to find out it was this thing called triplody, which is when two sperm hit the same egg. It's like getting struck by lightning. Like it's nothing genetically. It's nothing on the male part. It just sometimes this shit happens where it creates like a whole extra set of chromosomes, which doesn't make it viable for the pregnancy. And during that pregnancy, I was actually taking progesterone because I was just so nervous that I think the progesterone actually carried the baby along a little bit longer than it was supposed to. So we find this all out. We're like 12 and a half weeks. By week 13, we schedule surgery and I was supposed to go in. It was like mid-March. I ended up bleeding at home and literally hour, like an hour before I was supposed to go in for all the pre, pre-op stuff, I ended up miscarrying at home at 13 weeks. And it was one of the most horrific things I've been through. And I yeah, it's, it's just, it's a hard thing. So women who've been through it, it's just, it's something you go through that you just never lose this feeling and sensation and picturing your, in your mind ever. So at that time they rushed me in to get in because they wanted to make sure everything was out, making sure that from a bleeding perspective, I was okay. And then when we find this whole thing as like triplody, what it means, it actually could create a molar pregnancy which can cause cancer. So then we're finding all this out. I'm getting prepped for surgery again. And then they basically tell us that if things don't clear out my body, so basically your HCG levels don't go down. A lot of times what can happen, this can cause masses, blood masses in the body, you know, and it could cause a cancer that you would need to go through chemo 
for six months. So that means you guys cannot try for another six months. And here I am. The, the, the clock is ticking, right? Like, I think at this point I was like 35 and I'm like, like, is this ever going to happen? Like, why, why are these crazy things happening to us? We're both healthy people. Like what, how, how is this happening? And it's, it's so crazy when you're in the moment and you're just like, how? So we go through the surgery again. And I remember it was the first weekend of April. It was like Easter weekend. I found out that all results came back negative from a molar pregnancy. So therefore I didn't have the cancer. I didn't have to go chemo, et cetera, et cetera. So then we go on a trip to Cancun, have the best time. This is May of 21. I come home, I'm pregnant again. I'm like, holy shit. This is like almost two months later. This is it. This is meant to be. This was supposed to happen so quickly. And we go in for a scan around seven weeks and they don't even see a fetus. They don't see anything. So this was a blighted ovum um, where it just, the the pregnancy, it, your body's pregnant, but there's no fetus that is growing. So we wait for another week just to see if anything else comes up. It doesn't. And they recommend that I take basically a pill. It's it's like an abortion pill, I'm blinking on the name, and to just kind of clear it out. And I'm trying to avoid another surgery because at that point it would have been third surgery. And I just had surgery so close, you know, just a few months ago. So we go through that. We go in through into June. For two weeks, I take these pills and go back for a scan and not everything cleaned was cleared out in my uterus. So they recommend me going through another surgery. And it was on June 29th, 2021. At this point, we're just tapped. <laughs> we we actually moved to the beach and it was probably the biggest blessing because I just got tired of seeing people in Baltimore. I got tired of seeing friends. And I don't even think my friends realize this who live around here. Like, I just felt like people, when they saw me, they felt bad for me. And at this time too, I also changed jobs. So I wasn't at Under Armour anymore. And I just needed, I needed to change. I needed to get out. So we moved to the beach. I would come back for my, my appointments and everything. And then pretty much what I told Brad, my husband, I was just like, hey, I need a break. Like my body feels so out of whack. I don't feel like myself. I'm so down on myself. I, I literally don't know what else to do besides like, I just want to feel healthy again. I just want to feel like myself. I want to feel like I'm in my body again because this, when it hits time after time, it just, I would get to the, you know, the 12 week mark or so in your body. I feel like I would be so bloated from the hormones and then my hormone levels would be all all whack. And at the same time, because working with the acupuncture, she's the one that told me to get my thyroid checked out. So any women that are in postpartum, no matter what stage where you are, if you had a pregnancy for eight weeks to 12 weeks, you fully cared your baby, go get blood work done is what I will tell you. So what we discovered throughout these four pregnancies is that my thyroid numbers would actually triple. So basically I would go to hypothyroidism and none of the doctors would ever check it. So which could cause a miscarriage, it could cause some of the issues. And so Angie's the one to actually figure this out probably by the third or fourth pregnancy. So we're just like, let's just keep an eye on it when I do get pregnant again, and it's something to keep an eye on. So we go through the summer. I'm like, just enjoying the summer, working out again, trying to like lose the weight that I gained from all these pregnancies. And I will tell you some of the things that I did just to keep my mind sane, I guess. 
I talked to all the freaking psychics. I will tell you this. Like, I was just like, I need answers. I need to know when I'm having a baby. I need to know what the fuck is going on with myself. I did all the programs. So obviously I did acupuncture and I actually joined Dr. Cleopatra's um, her prime master program, which I would say really helped me. I was like, all right, I'm going to invest in this program for the three months and just like focus priming my body, which is interesting. Her, her theory is so true where you, you know, a lot of us women think we just want to get pregnant happens so quickly and not realizing like mentally, physically, all the parts of carrying a child, this pregnancy, like of a pregnancy, a lot of things have to change and you have to be in the right mind space for it, for sure. Because there's a lot of freaking changes that happen and even post and what her program does really just allowed me to reset, reset my body, get healthy again. And so this pretty much takes me into end of September. Well, mid September, I actually started going to an IVF clinic. Cause I was just like, something's off. Like for me to go through four months of, or four times of this, something is clearly wrong. The doctors explained to me that because of every pregnancy I had was so different of, of, of a loss that there was nothing consistent. So they couldn't confirm for sure, like, this is the issue or, you know, you have this or that. They had no idea. And they're just basically telling us to keep trying. And I was just over it. So I started going through IVF appointments just to see where we were. I went to CCRM. I would drive to um, Tyson's Corner because I did. I, don't, I just never heard great things about Shady Grove, so I was always worried. I had enough of shitty doctors telling me or not telling me things. So then I go through all the testing, and they don't find anything either. You know, the only thing we can discover is that my thyroid goes up every time I'm pregnant. So that was a whole month of September. And in October 2021, it was going into my birthday weekend. And I'm like, I think I'm pregnant. I think I'm pregnant again. Like, and by this time, you kind of know the signs after four times. <laughs> like, coffee tastes weird. I was feeling nausea. And I tested that weekend and I was pregnant. And so I called the IVF doctor and, you know, just checked in with her. They brought me in early for scans things were progressing. And that's how we got pregnant with Adley. We didn't go through IVF. We were in the process of it. And my thinking was that I can get pregnant. I could get pregnant, which was is probably half the battle. But the other half of the battle was having a healthy pregnancy. So for me, it was just like doing anything and everything I can just to avoid getting to the 12-week mark and hearing something shitty is wrong, which they can't predict all the things or finding out. So here we are in October, 2023. I have a beautiful daughter who is just about 15 months and we're actually pregnant again, which was a huge surprise. I'm at 24 weeks and I just, it's been such a hard yet beautiful journey. I've been very open about this story and I'm not saying I made it to the other side. Everything's fine. Like even now, even with second pregnancy, we had a, you know, my pregnancy with Adley was totally fine. We were pretty much healthy the whole time. I just had like a small mass in the beginning that I couldn't like work out or anything. But even still today, it's just like, you know, when you go through this, the joy of these appointments 
like I said, when you're naive and you just show up to the appointment, you're like, okay, check the box. Everything's great. Good, good, good. I'm going to move on my day. But when you get told these things, when you're in this process, it just, you just don't know until you go through it. And I know I've had several friends who either way, who have not been through it and tried to be there. Um, even throughout all the, the, those three years before I had Adley, I mean, we were one of the first, I would say we were one of the first ones who were pregnant with, uh, our first baby back in 2019. And then we lost our baby. My sister-in-law got pregnant. She, she was just a few months after us. They told us literally it was like, everybody was fucking pregnant. I would go to the park walking with the dog and everybody's got their baby bumps. And I would just cry. Like I just, it was like, I was surrounded in it and it was just torturing me. And then it was just something that summer 21, I was just like, I can't keep doing this to myself. I even, it's funny, my brother, my half brother was just here visiting and he was just like, Jim, I don't know how you went through it. And he actually told me, I think it was after the third pregnancy, you should consider adoption. He's like, I can't sit here and watch you go through this again. And I just took that to so hard. Like we always said, like if things did not work out, we would totally adopt like, or look at a surrogate. Like we weren't against it by any means, but when you're in it and somebody says that to you, you're just like, wow, thanks. You know? And so when you go through that process and you do have, you do get pregnant, you do have a healthy pregnancy and you're in the mix of it. It, it definitely steals a lot of joy of the process that you feel like you can't breathe until they're here. And that was the funny part where people were like, how do you feel like when you hit halfway and everything's great? And it's like, yeah, but I also know what other shit could go wrong. And there's a lot of shit that could go wrong. So truly having a healthy baby and deliver that baby and have them here is like a true gift. It is a true miracle in that process. And, you know, I'm so glad that we opened up our better story because I, I have had several women reach out to me asking me what resources I used, how did I get through it? And I, I remember in the first pregnancy, I, I joined all these pregnancy loss groups and I, I felt bad because like the mentality, not mentality, I felt like it was just so heavy and hard and it was already heavy and hard when you're going through it. But I, I just needed optimism. I needed to hear people's stories that who've been through the hard shit, but made it to the other side with a, with a baby, no matter how that came about, if they went through IVF, if they ended up adopting, whatever, whatever happened, like they were still able to have a baby in their arms. And I just like these pregnancy loss groups were so hard. <laughs> it's so just, I just need a positivity. I bought, um, a book where it was like a meditation each day. And I would read that book each day. I would meditate, read this book each day and just like have a positive message right from the get go of each day, because like, I just needed that. And that's where that optimism really pulls in for me, where it's just like, when you're going through these hard, shitty moments, you got to find the bright light. You got to find your people. And I'm not saying you're not going to have a bad day or it's, a, it's, it's fine to have those bad days. There were several times where Brad wanted us to go hang out with some friends or whatever it may be. The wife was pregnant or just had their baby. And I was like, I can't do it. I can't fucking do it. I can't show up myself and be happy for them when we're going through this. Like it just, it was like just a stab to the heart all the time. And so 
you know, and I know he was looking out for the best of us to like get out and see friends. Plus it was like COVID year. So it was just like, shit was just fucked up. (laughs) So, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. But if you are going through this, what I want you to know that I hope, I hope you're finding the healing in this process. Um, what I will tell you, I've had friends who, who've gone through multiple IVF treatments time and time and time again, around like five years and had their baby. I know a couple of women who went through IVF treatments, got pregnant naturally at, at 41 years old. Like these stories, I, 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 I'm writing, I'm going to be writing a book about this with other authors because I feel like I'm sharing my story is just one story. There's so many other stories out there. And I think as a society, we are getting better about talking about it. We're better because for a while it was this taboo. And so when we first started sharing people, I had no idea some people that went through this, no idea. And so when people would reach out to us and tell us, we were like, holy shit, we had no idea. Or like some people I kind of knew that went through it, but they never really like opened fully up. And so when I was going through it and thinking about, I'm like, how did my friends go through this alone? Like, we were so open about people open up to us and just the support and everything. Like it's, it's crazy. And to think from a society perspective and healthcare, like that's, there's nothing there. There's absolutely nothing there. And you have to find your own resources. And that's what I felt like I had to do is find the people and the right resources. And you kind of have to poke, you kind of have to push, you know, like the thyroid test over me. Like I was like, nope, I want my thyroid tested. They're like, well, it doesn't really explain anything. Or even getting my husband fucking tested. After the third pregnancy, I'm like, no, he needs to get tested. This is like a 50-50 deal here. And they wouldn't test him. So then when we went to the IVF clinic, they end up testing him. So it's like, you have to advocate for yourself. You have to, unfortunately, dig and research and find the things that, number one, are going to help you in this process to get pregnant. Two, if you do go through a loss... Either way, if it's a pregnancy or infant loss, like the physical, mental support that you're going to need, you're not going to get that from a hospital, unfortunately. You have to find your own resources. And I highly, highly recommend if you're in it and you're going through it, take the resources, do it if you have the means to do it. Like I know that a lot of shit costs money. Acupuncture, my, you know, it's a lot of insurances don't believe in do it. So they don't pay for it. They don't cover it or they the acupuncturist doesn't want to deal with the insurance because they're a pain in the ass. So it it could get expensive. And then if you even start with IVF too, and you're trying to take care of your body, like IVF is expensive and it's not a full chance. It's, you know, less than 30%. So it's just, it's crazy how you have to dig for these things and just know that if you are in this process, you are not alone. And I hope along the way, you know, like something that helped me was just finding the light of each day, finding the good of each day. And like I said, you are going to have really hard moments and grieving moments, jealousy moments. I I declined friends' baby showers. I felt like a horrible friend, but I was just like, I, I, I just can't, I can't do it. Luckily it was during 2020. So I missed some in person. So it was like on Zoom or whatever, but even on Zoom, sometimes I was like, I can't do this. So you just get, you got to take care of you you got to create your boundaries of what you need. And it's, and it's hard when you're trying to work with your partner. I know for my husband, and I like, he didn't understand physically what I was going through with the hormones, trying to take care of my body and how the highs and lows really just messed me up at times. And that in the background, I was trying to 
make some changes in my life. So even thinking about this like radical transformation in this hard fucking journey, I realized that I started a therapy. It made me start therapy that I probably needed to do many, many years ago. It allowed me to get to a point at a job that I was so exhausted of because I was giving, giving, giving and enduring a time that I needed to be there for myself. I wouldn't do it. But then I finally left a job that I never thought I would leave, made changes at home. And just, you know, I wasn't traveling all the time because of COVID that made me realize like, I actually want to be home more. I remember like the first time in my, or my first pregnancy, I was like, okay, it's like thinking about 2020 Olympics. So I was like all about that. I was in the, in the industry. And I remember like, okay, I'm going to have the baby in March. And then I'm going to go back to work probably around like June. So it's just in time for the Olympics and I'll probably bring my mother-in-law and then she could bring the baby. So I could be at the Olympics for work, like psycho about it. Instead of being like, it's okay if I don't go to the Olympics, like it's okay if I'm home with my baby and I, that's my decision. Like I was like just in a different mindset back then. And so when you kind of go through this process at times. And when I think about my journey in particular, and this is not for everybody, but I just realized how much I needed to change. And unfortunately, I, I wouldn't have done it on my own without all these things kind of happening to us or I guess for us. And I look back today and having Adley here, I'm like, wow, like life has changed so much for the better. Of course, I miss like sports industry stuff here and there, but like other than that, I really don't miss it. Like I'm taking care of my body. I'm able to be home with my kid. I remember seeing so many women in our industry that was missing things with their kids. And sometimes they don't have a choice. And I I totally get that. But I don't know. It's just the hope and the healing and the process of things like coming on the other side of just like, wow, this really changed my life for the better, even though it was really hard. So sorry to give you the whole life story about our journey, but it, I think it's really important to share. And when you're in it, you feel like nobody else understands. I know my story is just one story. There's so many women out there that are in it, who are going through it, who have it so much worse. And this is not a comparison journey, like by any means, but you know, somebody's story might relate to you even more that you don't feel alone. But I just wanted to share in our journey because just, I think it's important that to know that you're not alone. And if there's anything I could do to help along the way or provide resources, you know, that's, that's why I share because I feel like when women opened up to me when I was in it or reached out to me to help me, even though I didn't, I just couldn't lean in fully that this is all happening for a reason to, to have people help me. So accepting the help was like another half of the battle of it. Right. So if you're in this month and you've had pregnancy, infant losses, I I hope you take the time for yourself. Something that we did in our, um, after we lost the first baby, we knew it was a girl. I bought this like beautiful vase with these dried pink flowers and I saw the vase. Um, I keep it close by and it's just something to remember them of. And yeah, you just, you don't forget the dates. You don't forget the experience. I'm getting teary eyed, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's still your, your babies and it could be hard. It can be hard. And so 
take this month for yourself. Do so much self-care. <laughs> Brad and I, we used to get in arguments about budgets and I'd be like, fuck the budget. I'm going to take care of myself, whatever. And he allowed me to, not allow me, but you know what I mean? It's just, it's a process, but it's, it's a club. It's a shitty club to be a part of. And I'm sorry you're in this club, but what I will tell you, I've met, have met some of the best incredible women because of this journey. So I'm going to wrap this up because I'm just going to keep crying. So I'm going to stop. <laughs> but thank you for tuning in. If you're still here, thank you for allowing me to share my journey with you. And I will continue to share as much as I can. And I hope you find the hope and healing along your time and you will get through it. You will. I'm sending my love and I'm signing off. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope this inspired you to take that next step into your radical transformation. Your feedback and responses to the show keeps me going. So please DM or email me, review and share with your friends. It means the world to me. Tune in to every Tuesday for the Radical Female Show and you can find the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more, you can follow me at Jamie Christ on Instagram and subscribe to our newsletter at jamiechrist.com. 